This is the Connection Christian Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? Good, good. We're glad to see you. Glad that you are here with us. Uh, we have a, a couple of special guests I want to point out somewhere. Dylan and Missy Bropes are with us today. Where are y'all at? There you are, hiding in the corner, way over there. If y'all don't know Dylan and Missy, uh, make sure you, you, you say good morning to them sometime today, because they, um, they are our missionaries uh, that are full-time in Guatemala. I know a couple of weeks ago, Casey was here. Uh, he's down there with them, and um, they've been down there a long time now. How many years has it been now? Seven in January. Seven in January. Wow, time is flying. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> wow, it doesn't seem like it's that long. All right, so here we go. We are in a series called Connect, and this is a series about who we are as a church. It's what we do, right? We connect. It's about connecting. It's about connecting with God, connecting with others, connecting in ministry. Because if we can live connected the way God intended for us, the way God created for us to live, we, we can experience all that God has for us. And, and, and I'm, firm, I'm a firm believer, firmly convinced that that's the only way that we can actually experience all that God has for us, is to live connected. The devil's one and only goal, I've said it, and I'm going to keep saying it. The devil's one and only goal, his ultimate mantra is disconnection. All he wants to do is disconnect you from God, disconnect you from others, disconnect you from your purpose, from your mission, from your goals, everything in your life. All he wants to do is disconnect you, to isolate you, to take you apart from. And, and if that's his goal, then ours ought to be the exact opposite, right? <laughs> Which is to connect, to plug in. So it's what we do. Today, we're going to talk about Connecting with God in worship. Now, TJ mentioned it earlier. You know, it, when you talk about worship in the, in the spiritual realm, in, in the physical realm, when we talk about worship, we have a lot of different ideas about what that looks like and, and how, we, how we live that out. And a lot of it seems nice and friendly and, and, and all of that. Um, but in the spiritual realm, when you talk about worship, you might as well say warfare. It's the same word in the spiritual realm to the devil anyway, is when we begin to worship our God, it's like we are declaring war on the devil. He's going to fight against the worship of the Lord because he knows that the, the praises of God's people inhabit God's presence. And when God's presence is around, how many of you know the devil can't hang out there? Come on. When light comes in the room, darkness just has to go, right? So, so today, that, that's what we're going to talk about. The point of this is, is that hosting God's presence well is our highest priority. Hosting God's presence well is our highest priority. When we host the presence of God, when we create an atmosphere, when we come into an atmosphere and completely and totally surrender it and lay it down before the Lord, it becomes a place where God can do whatever He wants to do. We get out of His way and He does it, all right? So our mission, our mission as a church is to connect with God, connect with others, connect in ministry. There are vision statements attached to each one of these three mission statements, these three, three prongs of our mission, and, and, and we're going to talk about them one at a time. What does it look like when we're actually living this thing out? <laughs> what does it look like when, we actually, when it actually comes to life? And, and, and here's the way I've kind of worded these vision statements. And, and when it comes to connecting with God, the first way that we do is through worship. And here's what it looks like. Around here, we experience the presence of God through worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. 
Worship is our adoration going up to God. It's, it's our release of, of all that we have up to Him. It's laying it all down. It's, it's sacrificing. It's becoming a, a, a Romans 12 kind of Christian, right? That, that we become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Well, the only way that I can become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing, listen, I can't be holy by keeping the rules better. Because I already blew that one, right? That one's already out the window. It's done. The moment you, di- you, you broke one, it's over, right? You're done. You're contaminated. It's finished. I can't be pleasing to the Lord with my acts of service and my acts of generosity and my acts of... I mean, the Bible says that my greatest possible actions that I could live out on this planet are like filthy rags before the Lord. They just don't measure up. So if, if those two things are not the way that I become a, a, a holy and pleasing, what is, how do I become holy and pleasing? There's only one way. It's the same way that, that an old bloody sheep became a holy sacrifice before the Lord. It had to die. It had to die to itself, right? And it had to be laid on an altar and given over completely. The owner of that sheep had to take it and kill it and lay it on the altar and leave it there. And give it over to, and give it over in an act of worship completely and absolutely, right? So that's how we become a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord when we lay our lives down before the Lord and say things uh, like the, the Apostle Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. It's not about me anymore. It's about him now. And when I understand that it's all about him, that, that, that gets me out of the way. And when I get out of the way, now I become a conduit for heaven to come to earth. Yeah, how many of you know this? The devil don't want heaven to come to earth. <laughs> he got kicked out of heaven, sent to earth, and now heaven's coming and invading his space. He don't like that. He don't like that. But it comes through us when we get out of the way, when we allow God to do what God, what only God can do, then we're able to step into this, this way of life that he has called us to, this connected life with him where, where there is no hindrance between what God is sending and what we are delivering. Mark chapter 12 verse 30 is a it, 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 last week we talked about the great commandment, right? Well, that was, and I talked about it from, uh, from Matthew. It's in Mark too. But it's got one word that's a little different. And, and in Mark it reads this way, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now what I want to do in this sermon real quickly, is I want to break down each piece of this that I think Jesus is, is identifying for us how we take everything we have and we lay it on the altar. How we take everything that we have and we consecrate it to the Lord, right? You, you, have, to be, you have to live in a total surrendered state. At the gathering on Wednesday, we talked about total surrender. Total surrender is the only way that we can ultimately live into the life that God wants for us, right? It's, it's very important that when, you, that when you are under the authority of someone, when you place yourself under the authority of someone, because listen, you're not under the authority of anyone until you place yourself under their authority. Being under someone's authority is your choice, not theirs. Are you with me? You say, oh no, well my boss is so... No, no, no. You applied for that job. (laughs) You sent in your resume. You agreed to the terms and conditions that were there. And now you placed yourself under that authority. If you don't want to be under that authority anymore, quit. Right? Walk away. Is there consequences? Sure. But it's still your choice, right? It's still up to you. It's, it, it's, 
So if you put, if you put yourself under the authority of something, then the, the way that you're going to actually live out the highest purpose of whoever that is that is in authority over you is to completely submit and surrender your will to their will, right? If you're coaching a, a, a football team and, and you put the team on the field and there's 10 players that are absolutely totally surrendered to the coach's game plan and, and the coach's uh, uh, way of, of, of saying, here's what I want you to do, but there's that one player, there's that 11th player that says, you know what, I think I got this. I, I think I'm going to do this my way. I think I'm going to go the other direction. <laughs> Anybody ever scored a goal in the wrong hoop? Yeah. I think I'm going to go the other way. Because, listen, when you do that, you score points for the enemy. Guaranteed. Are you surrendered to those who are in authority over you? Have you positioned yourself? Have you, have you, have you given over? Or, or do you... When you hear somebody give you coaching and guidance, you're like, who do they think they are? I don't think I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. Right? That's not total surrender. And that will not only hamper you from the goal that you're seeking, it will hamper the team. It will hamper everyone around you. Because if you aren't totally surrendered, then the rest of the team is going to suffer for that. Right? What does that mean? That means that when we come into worship, when we come into a life of worship, I'm not just talking about it here on Sunday morning. We'll talk about that in a minute. But when we come into a lifestyle of worship, what I'm basically saying, what we say when we do that, is that we are humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God in submission to His will and to His way and what He says is is the bottom line, is the authoritative bottom line. I don't talk back. I don't, I just, you know, in the army we had a, an old saying. It is not the question. Let me get it right. The, the que mine is not the question why. Mine is just to do or die. That was, the, that was the saying. It's not up to me to know why. It's just for me to do it, right? To, to do or die. And, and, and you know, Thankfully, God actually tells us why. He, he gives us good reason why. And, and, he, and he operates not just in authoritarian leadership, he operates in participatory leadership. He wants us to participate with him. He said, Jesus said things like, you know, I call you, you're no longer just my servants, you're my friends. Because friends know their master's business. Friends know what I'm up to. And, I, and God says, I want you to know what I'm up to because I want you to do it with me. I want you to be a part of it. I want to come together and make this happen. But listen, the only way that we can operate as the body in the full effectiveness of Jesus is to be totally surrendered to the head. Right? If, if my body, if a piece of my body is cut off somehow from the nerve ending, you know, the whatever, I don't want to get into too much anatomy. I don't got too much anatomy to go around in, in here anyway, right? But, but, you know, I know that there are ways that you can cut off a body part from the brain where the brain no longer controls that body part. And that body part starts doing its own thing. It starts doing whatever it wants. And, and, and how many of you know that when it starts doing that, it becomes disabled. It becomes use, un, unuse, useless to the rest of the body. As a matter of fact, it holds the rest of the body back and prevents it from being as effective as it could be, right? So if we're not watching, if we're not completely surrendered and we get pride and ego and arrogance out of the question, out off the table, and we humble ourselves before the mighty hand, there is where we find our power. Because in the, in the world... When you're thinking like the world, humility is the weakest thing you can do. What? I'm not going to submit to that. I'm going to do my... Right, right. That's world stupidity. Right? Let's call it what it is. But total surrender in the kingdom is absolute power. It's absolute effectiveness. 
It's an absolute release of what God is sending to me and through me. Because in me, I have nothing to offer. In and of myself, I have nothing to bring to the table. But if I will get out of my way, and I will let the Lord flow to me and through me, now I have access to the, to, to, to the absolute infinite source of all things. And if, I, and, and if I'm directed under His hand, now what is that, what is that called? I'll tell you what it's called. It's called worship. It's called worship. Why? Because worship is declaring the worthship of someone or something. How much is it worth to you? Whatever is worth most to you will get the most of your attention, will get the most of your resources, will get the most of your time, will get the most of everything that you are because it's worth that much to you. Here's the question. <laughs> How much is God worth to you? How much is Jesus worth to you? How much is the redemption through the cross, the grace that saves you? How much is that worth to you? Is it worth you giving up your life for so that he can take it up and actually give you real life? Because here's the beauty of the kingdom is that everything we give up, he just brings it back, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. Right? You hear this old saying about you can't outgive God, right? And we usually talk about that around offering time. We already took the offering. Everybody calm down. When I understand that I can't outgive God because he is, the, he is the God of every resource, of everything that I have. I'll I tell you that when, when, when I first became a pastor, which was just the weirdest thing in the world, and I won't bore you with the, the story, but it was kind of like, like stumbling into the creek. It's kind of what it was like. You know, I didn't go there on purpose. I didn't know where I was even going. It just kind of happened one little step at a time. And, 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 but, but here's the thing. When, when we actually got there, I, I started thinking about and I had thought about up to that point, I, I, I was thinking, Lord, I've, I've like wasted 15 years of my life just trying to be an idiot, right? Trying to be a knucklehead of the first order. And, and, and I've just blown that. I've just wasted all of that. And I, I should be so far ahead. I'm, you know, and, and, and I, could, I could tell you a lot of different ways why I thought that way. And then I said, fine. That's my act of surrender. That's how I surrender to the Lord. Fine! You can have it. It's yours. And it was in that, it was, it was from right there. I can take you back to the time, to the moment that it happened. I have been baptized as, an, as a young teenager, but, but Suzanne and I were baptized again together on January the 23rd, 1997, over in the old building in the kitchen. That's where we used to do baptisms. We, still, we used the same baptistry, but we did it in the kitchen because that's where the water was. And from that moment forward, I'm telling you, God hit a fast-forward button on my, uh, on my life that propelled me into something that I couldn't. And over the next five years, what I thought I had wasted all this time and didn't have anything. You know, they're, they're talking about me being a preacher. I don't have any college. I don't have any credentials. I don't have any kind of, uh, you know, knowledge, understanding, whatever it is. In, in that next five years, I finished a bachelor's degree from scratch and a master's degree. And I worked full time as, uh, as the the youth pastor and then as the youth pastor and the senior pastor for the next four years. It was, it was a crazy time. But listen, God took that five years and he crammed 15 into it. He did. I'm not smart enough to do that. I was about dead at the end of that five years. But God said, okay, now, you got, now we got you. We got you caught up. 
Because he can redeem the time. Because time is his resource, not ours. <laughs> time belongs to him, not to us. Come on. All right. In this passage that we're, that we're looking at, where Jesus talks about how we love the Lord, when I started reading it, I started thinking, man, that sounds, that made me think of something. It made me think of the Ten Commandments. And so I went back to the Old Testament in Exodus 20, and I looked at the Ten Commandments, and here's, here's the first one of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me, because I am worth more than any other god you can put in front of me. That's called worship. What are you putting in front of God? What are you putting out in front? What are you valuing more than you value Him? That means you're worshiping an idol. It means you're worshiping something else as a God, little g, that's getting in the way of God, big G, and holding you back from the life that he has for you. just wanted to get that off my chest. So look at what he says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And what is the heart? The heart is the innermost part of you. It is the center part of you. It is what, we also are, what also is known in the scripture as your spirit, Right? I believe that we are built in three layers. We have a spirit, and that spirit is the part of us that is made in the image of God. Right? That is the part of us that actually connects with the spirit of God. It is from the spirit that we connect with the spirit. Right? Like attracts like. Spirit attracts spirit. When we're living from the spirit, from our heart, we are attracting the spirit of God. And this is a very important thing to live by. We, we talk, uh, I, I preached a, a series a long time ago that I'm still wanting to do something more with. But it was called God Space. And Jer Jerry actually mentioned it this morning. From the, the whole tagline of, of God Space was when you get to the end of your rope, you enter into God Space. Right? When you get to the end of you and what you can do and what you can handle and what you can control and what you can manipulate, there is where you get to God's space and he takes over. That's when it actually starts to work. That's where you begin to operate from the spirit. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Give him your spirit. Worship him from the spirit. Worship him from that inmost part of you that you where, where only truth lies, where, where only truth exists. There is no lie, there is no manipulation, there is no confusion in your spirit. That's why, that's why we say things like, Yeah, I, I knew in my gut that that wasn't the right decision. That gut place, that's your spirit, that, that's the part of you where you can't lie to you. Where you can't say, well, I'm, I wasn't hurt by that. In my spirit, I was hurt by that. And you just got to deal with that, right? And, and you got to dig, dig down in there sometimes. And you got to get that out. And, and, and that's why, you know, Jesus says, when you bring your offering to, uh, to, to when, when you come to, to bring your offering to worship me, and you get to the altar and you think of someone who has something against you, put your offering down and go clear that up. Why? Because it's checking you in your spirit. Because it's holding you up in your spirit. And until your spirit is free, until your spirit is clear of all of that stuff, you, you, can't, fully op, you can't fully move in to worship. Because worship happens in spirit and in truth. And if there's anything there that's not truth, then it has to be removed. It has to get excised. It, it needs to be... You know, gone. That's what, okay? You with me? So you got to pay attention to that. And Jesus says, this is where surrender, this is where surrender starts. <laughs> this is where worship starts. Worship starts with getting real with you and getting real with me and actually putting it out there and, and, and actually removing any, anything that is not true. It's what confession is about. You know, if you lie in confession, that's not real confession. I mean, yeah. But confession will set you free. 
Confession sets you free because it, because it releases your spirit. It releases what's bound up in the place of truth. And it releases it so, so that we can love the Lord our God with all our heart. Not 98% of it. But that one little 2%, I'm going to hold some bitterness. I'm going to hold some resentment. I'm going to hold some forgiveness, unforgiveness in there. And, and I'm, just going to keep, I'm just going to keep hold of that little spot right there because I'm afraid. Ooh, there's that word. When you start living by fear in your spirit, you're blocking yourself from true worship of the Lord. Look at Exodus 20, verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. We can't put anything ahead of God in our worship. Here's the way I like to explain, tell people to, to, to figure this out. How do you know? Well, if you say these words, if all else fails in my life, at least I have blank. What is in your blank? What is your blank that you are trusting in? If all else fails, if everything else in my life was taken away, Except this one thing. What is your one thing? If your one thing is anything other than your relationship with God, then you have something out of order. Because ultimately, Jesus says, what good does it do for a man to have his eye, yet lose his soul? To have his hand, yet lose his soul? What's getting in your way? That's going to cost you your soul. That's the middle part of you. If the heart is the inner part of you, the middle part of you is the soul. That's the part that needs to be saved. That's the part that needs to be, uh, that needs to be redeemed. Because that's the part that was given away in sin. When we sinned, it was our soul that became the victim. It was our soul that was the casualty of that war. And, and, and the soul is the place where, where, where things are felt and where things are thought. What's this? And with all your soul. What am I going to do with my soul? What is my soul? Well, I believe that the soul and the mind run hand in hand. But look at this commandment. It's the third commandment. It says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, I was brought up and raised to think that that just means saying curse words with the word God in it. Or saying God as, a, you know, as just a, an expression or something like that. That's kind of what I was brought up to think. And, and that's probably true. I, there's some truth to that, absolutely. But as I was studying this, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you've missed that. I'm like, Really? And enlighten me, because that's what he does. He enlightens us. He gives us insight into things. And, 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 and as I began to think about that and, and hear from the Lord about that, he, he began to say, listen, it's not just about using my name in an incorrect way. It's about speaking words in my name that are not from me. When I start speaking words of defeat and, and, and falling apart and crumbling and cursing and all of those kinds of things, that's not from God, even if I say it's in the Lord's name. When I speak the words of the Lord, I speak words of victory. I speak words of power. I speak words of deliverance and redemption and second chances. I, I speak the words that Jesus spoke. And those are, that is when we are speaking in His name and using His name correctly. Mark says, and with your mind. Where do your words start from? In your thoughts. In your mind. Every word starts with a thought. Every action starts with a thought. And your soul and your mind are the same thing. Right? That's the middle, middle layer of you. Your soul is where you think and feel. It's where your emotions are and it's where your thoughts are. And your mind is a, is a function of that, of that process. And so he, he says in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, we demolish arguments and every pretension. Pretensions is, a, is saying something about someone that's not true. That's what that means. Just in case you were wondering, I had to look it up. Anyway, we demolish 
arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Everything that is not true about God is blasphemy against God. It is not to be said in His name. It is not to be used to manipulate people on behalf of God and get our own way and do our own thing. Are you with me? We demolish those things. We demolish them. But where do we do that? How do we do that? And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought because, listen, there are going to be thoughts that are going to come into your head that are in that, that are pretension, <laughs> that are not that are not in accordance with the truth about God. There's going to it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, I, I'm not good enough. Well, I guess God didn't really have a purpose for me. Well, I, I guess I, you, you with me. And it's in understanding that none of that comes from the Lord. That we can demolish those strongholds. We can demolish those thoughts. And we can put them under the submission of Christ. We can put them under His Lordship in obedience to Christ. And in, in, in that obedience, in that total surrender, we worship Him with our thoughts. Because, because that thought is not worth having when I can have God thoughts. It's not worthy. That thought is not worthy of a God thought. Are you with me? Mark 30 says, Mark 12, 30 says, and with all your strength, with all your strength, Exodus uh, 28 through 10 is the fourth commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now, we don't understand the Sabbath correctly in this part of the world. It's, it's just not a part of our culture. It's not a part of how we do things and how we understand things. But from a biblical perspective, you know, well, let me say it this way. From a cultural perspective, we kind of look at it as a day off, right? A day off, a day of rest. That's that's true. It is that. But it's so much more. The, the truth is, the, the real definition of the word Sabbath is a descent from striving. That's what it really means. A descent from striving. In other words, a, 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 I stop trying so hard to do what I can't do anyway. Right? Where does, this, where does this tie itself up in? In the law of Moses? How many human beings outside of Jesus ever lived perfectly according to the law of Moses? Zero. Zero have ever lived according to it. So, when we think about this striving business, it's trying to live something that's pleasing to the Lord, that's going to get us, uh, make us okay with Him. We can't do it under the law. But look at Matthew 12, 8. It says, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus, when Jesus came, he said, it's no longer the Sabbath that you need to keep. It's the Sabbath that you need to receive. Because he is the Sabbath. He is our rest. He is our antidote to striving I can no longer strive to have a relationship with God. I can simply receive His grace. Now, when I understand that, it moves me into worship. It, 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 it drives me to my knees. It puts my, it puts my heart above my head. So how we connect... How do we connect? I left out a word there. Sorry. How do we connect with God in worship? How do we do it around here? Well, there's a lot of different ways. First and foremost, we do it right here. Sunday mornings. 
Sunday morning is what we do. Joe said it very well. We're not here just to get it over with. We're not here just to check something on our calendar off or our to-do list off. We are here to meet with the Lord, to be in His presence, to host His presence well, to, to be changed and transformed and delivered by the Lord. Because when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and come together where two or three, two or more are gathered in my name, I will be there with them. And I will release things to them that they can't get anywhere else. Listen, don't buy into the garbage that says we need to stop getting together and we can just all watch it online. No, 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 no. That's supplemental and I love it. I'm glad people do it, but it's not what, it's not all you need. Come on. You don't eat dinner online, do you? (laughs) Yeah, I sat there and looked at that steak for two hours, man. I was still hungry. Come on. I got nothing. We put our stuff online. I consume a lot of stuff online. But I'm telling you right now, right here in this moment is where I actually get fed. And it's not, a, and it's not because I'm, I'm preaching so good because I'm the preacher. I already know what I'm going to. I don't get fed that way. I get fed by you coming and by being together with you, connecting with you as we connect with God. And as we do that, it nourishes everything in us. It brings our spirit back to life. It releases something in us that we desperately need to get through the rest of the week. You wonder why people walk around like zombies beat down by the world. It's because they're not coming in to the gathering of God's people. Look at what Hebrews 10 says. And let us consider how we may spur, spur one another on. Don't you love that? I was a scout in the army, and one of the things that scouts used to do, we were in the cavalry, and the old cavalry back in the horse drawn, they were all on horses, right? Scouts were on horses, and they all wore spurs, and so there was a thing you could do that you could earn your spurs. I want every one of us to earn our spurs. And the way you earn your spurs is by doing the work that you've been sent to do. By stepping up and stepping into your calling and your purpose for the sake of those around you. And that's how you get your spurs. How do we spur one another on toward love and good deeds? Not giving up, meeting together. Why? As some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, encouraging one another. Listen, that word encourage means to pour courage in. The people around you are, are pitchers, they're water hoses, right? They're, they're buckets that you just need to connect with and just get it poured into you. The presence of God is the ultimate flow of living water. And when we come into this place and gather in his name, we just fill up with courage. Because we don't want to live by fear, right? Fear is the opposite of the way we live in the kingdom. Well, I'm afraid so. Okay, then you're not living by fear. We need to, train, we need to trade, well, I'm afraid with, well, I believe the Lord <laughs> said. I need a vision from the Lord. I need to understand where he's leading me. And then I need to go there with absolute total faith. And it's, and it's in understanding that, that we approach the, 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 the day, the day, the big capital C day. What's that day? That's the day it's all over. That's the day this is finished. This mission is done. There is coming a day where this will be done. But until there is light, we work. Until there is a mission, we go after it. And we pursue it with all of our hearts. The second way is hosting God's presence well. I know I've talked about it, but I want to read you this passage that I used a couple of weeks ago, it, it captures what we are in our goal. Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If you want God to live in you and in us as a dwelling in which He lives by His Spirit, we have to host His presence well. Right? 
We have to eliminate distractions. I just told all the guys back there as we were preparing to come out here for, uh, for the worship service, I said, listen, we need to eliminate any distraction. Not because we're worried so much about putting on a perfect performance. That has nothing to do with it. But if we get up here and, 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 and do something, you know, a guitar is completely out of tune or, or we miss a cue, we miss a mark, and, and, and we're completely off and nobody knows what's going on, that takes you out of the presence of the Lord and leaves you confused. You're like, oh, I'm just worshiping, worshiping, and then something happens. You're like, what was that? Okay. Eh, it's gone. Right? That's not hosting well. We want to host the Lord in our lives well, where there is no distraction, where there's nothing drawing our attention in a different direction. In your life, sin in your life is a distraction to your life of worship to the Lord, right? You're going along and you're doing good, and me and the Lord, we're good, and and then you hear that thing see that thing, run into that person, you know, think of that, whatever. And you're like, hmm, what was that over there? And boom. You're no longer hosting the presence of the Lord. Right? When you're hosting someone that important, think of the most important person on the planet that you could possibly ever have into your home. Would you have that person into your home and focus on anything else? That wouldn't make any sense. And when we come to be in the presence of the Lord, we don't want to be, we don't want to be distracted by anything else. But what is the Lord saying to us? What is the Lord doing in this place? Listen, churches rise, I was going to say rise and fall. No, churches fall because of distraction from the presence of the Lord. And they start focusing on their own issues, on their own stuff, on their own... uh, Don't say bad words in church. I wasn't going, where'd my water go? Most of it on the floor. Sorry about that. Y'all saw that, I didn't. It wasn't a distraction to me, I'm sure it was to you. Come back to worship, come on. Come on back. As hard as we try, right? Listen, I, I, I was preaching on, on Friday night at CR, and, 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 and the Lord just, show, shared, just told me something while I was preaching. He does that to me all the time. Blows my mind, and I lose it. But, but I, I was preaching about the fact that the devil wants to put blinders on us so that we can't see the Lord. The, 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 the Hebrews says... Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of the faith, right? Keep your eyes focused on him. And the devil wants to put, wants to put blinders on us so we can't see him. And then in the middle of saying it right here in front of everybody, it, the Lord spoke to me and said, listen, when the devil puts blinders on you, he doesn't use a blindfold. He uses reverse mirrored sunglasses. I just stop and think about that for a second. So what do you see? When you put on reverse, remember back in the 80s, like from Chips or whatever, you know, Eric Estrada, you know, he had those big sunglasses that were mirrored, look all cool. That was in the 80s. Not anymore. Anyway, what, do, what would you see when you put on reverse mirrored sunglasses? All I see is me. All I see is me, 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 my, my, my. What's my issue? What do I need? What's, uh, what's in it for me? What's for me, 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 me? You see, the devil don't want you to look at him. He's too ugly. He's too scary. He don't need you to look at him. He just needs you to take your eyes off Jesus and look at you. Come on. Because if you can worship, if he can get you to worship you instead of Jesus, he's got you. All right, let's move on. One more. Hearing, two more. God's hearing God's voice 
I just think this is just good instruction for the church right here. When, when Samuel was a young man and Eli was training him up to, to be a, a prophet and a priest to, to do what God had called him to do, he, he heard something and he thought it was Eli and he runs in and he says, what, yes, master, what do you, what do you want? And, and, and he's like, it wasn't me. And he does it a few times and, and, and then finally Eli realizes what's happening. He's like, ooh, that's God talking to you. That's God talking to you. That's a voice you need to learn to recognize. So Eli says, now next time, next time that this happens, you just stay there. And you say these, he says, he says, go and lie down. I like that part. Just go and rest. Go rest. Stop striving. Go experience the Sabbath of Jesus in your life. Because until you're experiencing the Sabbath of Jesus, you're probably still in your own way. Just go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Man, those are powerful words right there. That releases something into your life. That releases words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of understanding into your life. That, that if you will just simply, through your connection with God, allow that to flow to and through you, you, you will become not only very valuable to you, you will become very valuable to the people around you. As you begin to use the Lord's name correctly in worship and release His words to others because there is power in the word. Remember that old song? There is power, power, wonder working power. That was in the blood, not in the... Anyway, it's in the word too. Now that I remember the words to the song, never mind. Moving on, last one. Recognize the grace. Living as a Christ follower is a get-to situation, not a have-to situation. We get to worship Him. We get to pray to Him. We get to receive Him. We get to be baptized into, into Him. Speaking of, speaking of that, we're going to celebrate some baptism. Zach and, and Larissa, would you all just come on up? We're just going to break right into the middle of stuff right here. Because I... I yeah, come on, let's give it up. <laughs> we, we, Zach and Larissa came to, I'm getting that right, right? Larissa, right? Okay, I, 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 I remembered. They came to a C3 Life class a while back, and we talked about baptism. We talked about our process. We talked about that we get to be and, and they both grew up with different uh, backgrounds and stuff, but uh, over time, um, they, they have heard what, what we teach and what the Scripture says, and they've come this morning to surrender to baptism, to give their lives, not because they have to, but because they get to. Come on. Amen? Why don't you all go back and get ready, and we'll be right there with you while I finish up here real quick. All right. So, what does it mean? What does it mean? I'm telling you now that the greatest, the greatest thing that has ever happened to me in this area of worship came when I began to understand grace. It wasn't understanding how powerful God is, how magnificent God is, how incredible all, you know, and he is all of those things and so much more. Way more than I could ever fathom or understand. But it's the grace that makes it possible. It's the grace that makes it available to me, a sinner. Right? Here's the temptation on the other side of the cross. On the other side of Christianity, of giving my life to Christ and, and submitting, surrendering to Him. Is now what do I have to do to keep it? Hmm? I mean, this is an age-old problem. Read the book of Galatians. The letter of Galatians is all about people trying to keep what they've already been given. Right? What do I have to do to keep it? Well, I'm going to sum up 
I'm going to sum up what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians in, in my own way. What did you do to get it? Can I just say it in, a, in, in, in hillbilly language? Nothing. You didn't do anything to get it. You can't earn grace. You can't deserve grace. You can't work for grace. You can only receive grace. And when God has given you grace, when He has poured out grace upon you, then, then the only legitimate response to that grace is worship. <laughs> is to declare the worship of God in my life. That my life was over. I was already dead in my sin and transgression. And He saved me out of that death. He saved me back into life. And life eternal where I no longer have to fear anything. Come on. Not only did He save me from that, He saved me to a life that is connected to Him where all of the resources of heaven can flow to me and through me and He wants to partner with me and use me to deliver heaven to earth just like Jesus told us to pray for. Come on. What could, how could, how could grace do anything other then drive us to our knees. Then drive us to worship the Lord. Then drive us to submit and surrender and totally lay out our lives before the Lord and say, here it's all yours. You bought it anyway. It's yours. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. For me to die, for me to live is Christ. For me to die is gain. Why? Because of grace. <laughs> because of grace. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen? Amen. Why do we connect? Because we get to. <laughs> because we get to. Why wouldn't we? It would make no sense not to. We get to. I want to pray just to finish this and then we're going to and then we're going to have the baptisms and then we'll let you go. Would you just put your mind in a place of receiving? <laughs> just put your put your mind in a place of openness where, where 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 you can just let God flow in. Lord, I just pray right now as we as we contemplate these thoughts of worship and why you are so worthy. And you bear all the worship of er above everything else that is in our lives. Lord, we just once again totally and absolutely surrender to you. We submit to your will. And we give it all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. Without you, the work we do at Connection Christian Church wouldn't be possible. If you would like to give online, please visit c3christianchurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment and subscribe and please share it with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.